0: So hi, welcome everyone. Um, for those of you that don't know, that don't know me, uh, you've probably seen my face. Uh, I play drums sometimes in worship. And a few weeks ago I was just asked um, to, um, to describe to the congregation what my face is like um, as a 20-year-old. Uh, what challenges do I face? You know, where does my faith fit in? And how could I relate to a Bible character? Um, that was probably the hardest part because um, I didn't know who I could relate to the most. Uh, it felt like there was no one really. Um, Bible characters don't really do what I do. Um, everything was different at the time and they're, not, they're just not really into the same things. I was trying to you know, place a Bible character into you know, 2017 England and it just wasn't really happening. Uh, you know, I looked a bit deeper and I, played, I prayed for some clarity, clarity and I came across the story of Jehoshaphat. So first, a little bit of backstory. Um, King Ahab is a character that's given to us in 1 Kings uh, chapter 16, verse 30. And it says that Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight, in the sight of the Lord. Um, it also says that in um, 1 Kings 16, chapter 30, uh, verse 33, that he did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel uh, than all the kings before him. So Ahab wasn't really you know, the best guy ever. Um, he was a promoter of false religions on a grand scale and oversaw the systematic de- uh, destruction of prophets of the Lord. Now Jehoshaphat was kind of the opposite guy of that. Um, uh, in 1 Kings uh, chapter uh, 22, verse 43 it says, um, Jehoshaphat lived doing uh, that was right in the, in the eyes of the Lord. He exercised a godly influence in the land, teaching people the ways of God. So Jehoshaphat was a good guy. Um, he did what he was supposed to. He was fair, and the spirit of the Lord could be seen through him. And to some extent, this is kind of how I see myself. Um, yeah, I'm not saying like I'm a great guy, but you know, uh, Jehoshaphat kind of did the right things, but he did um, have a couple of blind spots. Um, he faced... Um, a decision about his relationship with Ahab, and yeah, and he and his solution to that was to compromise, um, which is you know an easy thing uh, for anybody to do because, especially taking a faithful stand for God, it can seem challenging at times, and it's always easier you know to compromise. And if he had known uh, the future consequences of his decisions, he probably would have acted differently. So I just want to read out a quick definition of compromising. Um, the first one is uh, to reach an agreement by making concessions, and the second one is to accept standards that are a bit lower than desirable. But I just want to kind of touch on how this affects me, so like I said, I'm 20, I just finished uh, university, and I feel like, you know, I hear this a lot, that um, you have a lot, you know, uh, everything is before you, like, I'm sport for choice, basically. Um, I have so much to choose from, Uh, I can have, you know, when when people say you can have any job in the world or you can do whatever, that's actually, you know, kind of hard because I don't want to limit myself to just do one thing forever. So um, that's why I feel like I need to ask the right questions and gain the right guidance because, you know, you can easily, I can easily um, compromise uh, and make decisions that are always, you know, um, the best. So for example, um, I'm in debt. Uh, I just went to uni so I have like you know, 25,000 pounds of debt and um, would it be uh, that my career choice is made because you know, I'm thinking about um, finances and I'm thinking about money so like I said, I'll compromise and pick the first thing that comes to me or the thing that I think that will make the most money but isn't really um, you know, my calling or what I feel that God wants me to do. Um, because you know, when I'm older, I'm gonna need to, you know, have children that I need to care of, buy a house, all that kind of stuff. And um, I was talking with Tim, and he said, my mo- he questioned like my motivation for a career. Is it to have a nice car and to have a nice house, or is it to use my abilities to the best, you know, uh, uh, t- to the best that I can, and the spiritual character that God has given me? And those things will become the perks of the job that I do in the future. And that's um, something that I really, really have to think about. So like I said, these can be my blind spots and the gaps in my faith where I choose to follow um, a career or to follow a relationship that isn't kind of right for me but I'm doing it because um, it's what's there and I will compromise my faith with God um, for these things. So I'm just gonna link this back to Jehoshaphat. Um, and back to compromising so the the gospel teaches us in john four verse twenty uh, tw- verse twenty four that God is spirit, and those who worship him um, must worship in spirit and truth and in matthew uh, chapter six verse twenty four it says no one can serve two masters for either he will love one and hate the other he will be devoted to one and despise the other in first john uh, chapter two verse sixteen it says for all that is in this world, the desires of the flesh and desires of the eyed and pride in possession. It is not from the Father, but is from the world. These are kind of the things as Christians, as myself, I have to follow and not compromise because those are what is set, what is, um, set to us by the gospel. And that is ultimately what I should aim for. And to compromise would mean to compromise my relationship with, with God. So my question and what I always look for in scripture is guidance. Because I have so many decisions to make, I feel like, like there's a lot of pressure to make the right ones. Now if we look at how Jehoshaphat dealt with his problems, his prob- he dealt with his problems by, like I said, compromising. So in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 18, verse five, um, we, we see that 400 false prophets arrive and Jehoshaphat is now found listening to these people who, prefer, who, who claim to speak in the name of the Lord when they really don't. At this point, we see a, a change in Jehoshaphat. His association with King Ahab, and, you know, we all, like I said earlier, King Ahab wasn't the best guy, had a subtle effect on his ability to hear God's word. His blind spot, basically. Um, it's obvious that if he had placed lesser value, it's obvious that he had started to place lesser value upon the guidance of God than he really should have. If he had really valued uh, the word of the Lord, he would have asked God before he committed himself to, to Ahab and to, um, like I said, false prophets. So if I, if I value um, my, my faith with God, I will always try and look to him before I make my decisions in terms of, like I said, my career. And now the consequences of Jehoshaphat's uh, sinful compromise with the enemies of God were felt for a long time. One thing that I don't think Jehoshaphat had was the correct peers around him. Like I said, he he had King Ahab, and he had these 400 false prophets that came to him. But the difference is, I have a church that I can um, that are filled with people, you know, excellent people, people of all ages, and people who can who can kind of you know, um, look at the things I'm doing from a different perspective, um, from a different side to what I can see and call me into question. Uh, I can go to these people, um, they'll be my peers and they will talk to me and kind of, um, yeah, they will talk to me and they will show me, um, not necessarily tell me what to do, but they will just show me um, other options. So that's Uh, My section. I hope that wasn't too quick. Uh, Thank you, everyone.
1: Um, So, yeah, as it was mentioned, we're doing a series now called These Are the Days of Our Lives, um, which is a really interesting series, I think, because even though different people will be coming up, I think a lot of the, there's a lot of similarities in different stages of what we actually struggle with. So a bit of backstory to kind of who I am. My name's Andrea, some of you may know me, some of you may not. Um, I've been a part of Riverside for five years, did RPA, that's how I started. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I I as well have just finished uni. I'm 24 almost and the things I've always struggled with um, have been uncertainty and this thing called the waiting place, I think. um, I've moved. I moved to Poland when I was when I was four, and lived kind of every couple of years on visas. So it was never certain if I was going to be in that country, whether I was going to have to move, how we would work with finances, whether we would have to leave. So I've always been surrounded by uncertainty, and kind of never really changes <laughs> for anyone. Um, so now I've finished uni, and once again. I have no idea what God wants to do with me. I have no idea where he wants to do that thing that I don't know. (laughs) And I don't know whether it's here, whether I'll be able to get a visa next year. I I just i am surrounded by uncertainty, like I think a lot of us are. Um, So what I wanted to look at was Elijah. So I get to use this for the first time. Um, Yeah, Elijah was also thrown into the waiting place where he just sat and did quote unquote nothing for a period of time. He didn't know where, how long he was gonna be there. He didn't know really why he was there. And he, I don't even think he knew what was next. Um, so we just kind of start at the very beginning of chapter 17 in 1 Kings. And it just starts us off with Elijah. But a bit of backstory before we actually start this is, when I was actually reading just a bit before, it's very interesting because from kind of halfway through chapter 15, we start getting lists of all of the kings of Israel. And all of them have one very interesting thing in common, which is they almost all except for one have this phrase where blank did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So we have Nadab did evil in the eyes, Basha, Elah, Zimri, Omri, and all these people did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And that was one thing they all had in common. And then we get to Ahab, which is well, Anthony talked about. And and, and it says Ahab did the most evil in the eyes of the Lord. So he beat everyone else out great on him. So that kind of shows a bit of where we were and actually similarly to what Anthony was talking about. This was a time when all of these kings brought in false idols and and false prophets and were poisoning the people of Israel with these lies, taking them away from who God was. Um, So that's a bit of a backstory. So starting with Elijah, he comes in and out of nowhere, we've never heard of him until now, and basically now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Galilee, actually I can read from here, said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So he says this and then he leaves and God takes him away after this and whisks him away to his waiting place, his waiting period basically. Yes, that's not yet. And what happens next is he goes to a brook, God takes care of him, he's fed by ravens until that brook dries up because there's a drought, so of course it will dry up, and then he takes him to Zarephath, which is where he spends the majority of his waiting place. And it's very interesting because the very first thing he does is God plants, basically has this lady, a widow, I'm not going to show that yet because it's spoilers, um, take care of him and he instructed her. And when they actually meet Elijah and this widow, they have a very interesting encounter, um, which is basically this. Um, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I do not have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. So when I kind of read this, I thought this was a very um, interesting encounter for a first time when you meet, meet someone, but then actually that right away just made me think of how broken and desperate she must have been that actually life had gone so bad that they were making their last meals and they were expecting to die. That's how I read it. There's nothing more to read. That's all we have is this little interaction. So from that I take that, wow, she must have been really desperate and broken. Um, And actually, the very first thing that God did and used Elijah for in this waiting place, this long period of waiting, was blessing and care and a little special symbol that came from nowhere. Don't know what that is. Um, (laughs) He blessed and cared for this widow and her son and was just there for them, basically. So they were taking care of him, but actually he was taking care of them at the same time. And I think that's a huge part. One of the huge things that God does with us when we're in that waiting period is, He's always throwing people into our lives who we can bless and who we can care for, always. There's never a time when we're not doing that. Um, So that's the very first point, is God always, always brings people to us who we can bless and care for. The second thing, again with a special symbol, is timing. A huge part, I think, for me, that I took from this story was timing. Elijah gets thrown in and then waits a very, very long period. And in the beginning of chapter 18, we find how long it was. In the very first eight words, after a long time, in the third year. So he waited three years. That's three years of sitting, doing quote-unquote nothing, of just not knowing what was next, what he's doing, what what, what is life. He didn't know anything and he sat there for three years, but actually when I thought about it, it it wouldn't have made any impact if if God had waited a week or a month or even a year of drought. It had to be a big chunk of time for the people to really, really experience this drought, because it was horrible, like, you can't live without water, it's impossible. I, I don't even know how they did it, I must have, most people must have died. I mean, crops died, everything died, because there's no way to survive, and it had to make a huge, huge impact. So timing, I think, is a very, very important thing because of that. Without timing, it wouldn't have been anywhere near as effective. And that leads me to my third point, which is not there, which is preparing. <laughs> and what I kind of noticed throughout was God was continuously preparing Elijah constantly. The very first kind of thing was he met this widow and her son, and he just loved on them. And that was preparing him for loving on people later on in his story. The second thing was miracles. God prepared him for miracles. He had never experienced any. This is, again, the last first time we hear of Elijah. And this is where the miracle, the flower and oil came, which I think some people might recognize, I know I do. which basically, this woman didn't have any money, she didn't have any food, and God said, I'm going to make sure that you are supplied and that you can feed Elijah, you can feed your son until the floods come back. So for the entire three years, they were sorted, they were fine. That was the first miracle. second miracle was actually when her son got ill and passed away, and he died. And actually, this was the one of the well, second really big miracle that prepared him for what was coming next. Because actually, he had to he raised someone from the dead. God raised someone from the dead using Elijah, and that was that was pretty pretty incredible. And again, that's a miracle I remember from when I was a kid. It's something that you're taught in Sunday school from when we're like this big. So preparing is key, and I think just lost my point. What's my point? Lesson carrying time, prayer, yes. We can't always see, this is how I am, we can't always see (laughs) where God's gonna take us. All we know is that he's gonna take us from A to B, but we need to be prepared for what's coming. And for Elijah, the big thing was on its way, and he had to be prepared from being able to trust God, being able to care for people, because what was coming was Mount Carmel, which again, some people might recognize, some people might not, but this was the time when God confronted the entire people of Israel, all of the false prophets, all of the false idols, he confronted them and he revealed himself in amazing miracles that surpassed kind of anything Elijah had seen, anything the people had seen. But Elijah had to trust that God was actually gonna come on that mountain and was gonna actually be there for him because who knows? but it was one of the biggest things Elijah ever did and so God was prepping him and making sure he was ready for this final not final but this really really big thing and I think that I've seen definitely in my life is God waits and he prepares us for something that's big that we might not even know and he makes sure that we're actually ready whereas if we had a shorter time we might not be ready because we might have not experienced as much as we need to experience or just learned and lived as much as we need to have learned or lived. Yeah, we'll end on that. Um, so this, I wanted this message just to be really an encouragement from anyone who's kind of in a waiting place, has been in a waiting place, because we all get in them. They're, they're really horrible. I hate them. I'm a very impatient person. Some people might know that. I hate not knowing, out of everything, I hate not knowing, because you're in that middle bit. It's not good, it's not bad, it's in the middle. So it could go either way, and I really don't like that. <laughs> So it's such a hard place to be in, but I just want this to be an encouragement that if you are or have been in that, that we can just trust in God and really lean on him. And sometimes we don't see all that's happening around us. And sometimes it, it takes time and it actually it will really, really benefit his timing in the end, but also to look around the people who we can bless while we're in this horrible stage of not knowing what is happening, who can we look for and take care of while we're in this stage but also who are the people that can take care of us when we're in this stage this horrible horrible waiting stage where we just need people to remind us of God's, God's faith, how he comes through for us and how much, how much he loves us so probably we should pray maybe at the end um, God we just, we thank you for today, we thank you that we can be here with you today, for the sunshine that we had a bit earlier. Um, and I just pray for, for anyone here who is struggling with things like Anthony mentioned, with false idols, things that they hold higher than they should, or, or compromising when, when they actually shouldn't compromise, com- compromise and fight for, for really what they want in life, God. I, and people who are in this waiting place or have been in this waiting place or are broken by a waiting place, God, I just pray that you would really come into their lives, into our lives, and just bless them and love on them and bring people into their lives who they they can bless but also who can bless them and can make them feel like actually God's got this. Sometimes we need to be reminded of it because it's so easy to forget. But we just pray that you would love, love on the people here today, God. In your name we thank you. Amen.